Welcome to another edition of the Coode Street Advent Edition, uh, in which Jonathan Strawn and I spend a few minutes talking with authors of books that we'll be recommending this year at the end of 2022. And today I'm delighted to have uh, Nevo, uh, who has got couple, you had a good year. You've got a couple of books out this year that uh, I'll be recommending. I have. It's so, actually been a lot of fun. There's, it's, it's been very busy with Tor.com, so... Well, I mean, the uh, that plus the novella, we'll start off by, I'm not going to try to describe them, but we'll start off by having you give a brief description of the Siren Queen from earlier in the year. That's sort of funny because I had totally forgot that that released earlier this year. Okay, uh, yeah. Siren Queen. <laughs> yeah, Siren Queen is a novel set in a magical 1930s Hollywood run off of Fairyland rules, and the main character is Luli Wei, who is a Chinese-American actress who is just looking to have a good time and have a job and not get eaten by fairies, essentially. And one of the things that fascinated me about it uh, was that, I mean, it seemed partly to be based on the life of Anna Mae Wong, um, who, interestingly enough, Turner Classic Movies just a couple of weeks ago had a series of Anna Mae Wong, and I'd never paid attention to her because she was seldom the star in the film. And I kept looking at your character through that. I have another quick question about that. Um, you made a decision early on to invent all the characters, even though some of them look familiar. And there are two kinds of historical novels, I guess, or two kinds of Hollywood novels, one in which all the characters are invented, even though there may be a kind of Roman Clef. The two classic Hollywood novels I'm thinking of are uh, Nathaniel West, Day of the Locust, and uh, Day of the Locust, and uh, Scott Fitzgerald's The Last Tycoon. Neither one of those use real character names, but they're obviously real characters. Why did you decide to do that? Because some of these characters look awfully recognizable. Um, actually, I can tell you the reason for that. And mm -hmm. that's because one of the characters in Siren Queen is actually based off of uh, Ramon Navarro, who ah. is a right who, ha who um, had an incredibly promising career that was unfortunately cut short um, in a very terrible way. And... Right. And if I, if I actually used real people, I feel like I would have to run into that. And the character that I'm talking about in, um, in Siren Queen, I think it's a much gentler, kinder ending. It is. And that's what I is. wanted. I, I hope so. I hope so. That was, that was actually one that I think upset my agent a little bit when she read it. And I'm like, okay, I think I did a good job, but we need to keep it the way it is. Right. I, th I think that was a wise decision as well. And we should mention that it's not, it has a lot of supernatural fireworks in it. It's not just a Hollywood novel, but I like that it works both ways. Moving more firmly into fantasy, tell us a little bit about Into the Riverlands, which is the third Singing Hills novella, I believe. It is. And this one is very much a martial arts adventure. And it's also a story about telling stories because I think everything in the Singing Hills is, but it owes it, the biggest debt to um, Legend of the Condor Heroes, mm -hmm. uh, more recent uh, pieces like The Untamed, um, and also a great deal to weekends spent with my grandfather watching bootleg VHS uh, martial arts dramas. So it is a fun adventure. It is a big adventure. It has a lot of uh, really unlikely martial arts where... Mm -hmm. I, as I've said a few times, if you can't see the wire work, then I didn't do my job right. And it's fun. Like em Empress was the first Sing Hills novella was very epic. Uh, when the tiger came down the mountain was romantic. This one's just fun. It, it, it was. And I have to admit that one of the, uh, one of the main characters is a bird named 
um, almost brilliant, which I have to say is my favorite character name from the past few years. <laughs> and and you're right. Also, the um, the martial arts parts of it are easy to visualize. I kept seeing Michelle Yeoh in them or something because. Uh, but, but anyway, the action scenes are great. And the other thing, which I think is worth mentioning, is that. Um, Going back to um, the first of the novellas, which actually won the Crawford Award, uh, Empress of Salt and Fortune, you don't really have to read these in sequence. Nope, nope. Um, it wasn't written to be a series originally. It, I wrote The Empress of Salt and Fortune because Tor.com said they were looking for unagented manuscripts that were 20,000 words. And I mm -hmm. thought, I didn't have an agent and I can write 20,000 words probably. <laughs> so I wrote it. And then uh, I'm pretty sure it was Roshi Chan at Tor.com who said, could this be a series? And I like money and I like continue. I like contract. Yeah, right. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, it absolutely can be. And very quickly and very early on, I decided I want this to be a bunch of standalones. I want people to be able uh -huh. to pick them up and have a good time with them for, you know, however long it takes to read. And they're not, they're not long. They're like a few hours to read. Yeah, for most right, And I wanted them to be a good time for an evening. And I like to think that's what they are. Well, let's go on to the next question, which is what are you reading now? Uh, let's see. Um, I just finished uh, Sasha Lamb's When the Angels Left the Old Country, which mm. is utterly delightful. It is about a demon and an angel who um, live in a very tiny town in Eastern Europe. And um, they've been Torah study partners for, you know, the last few hundred years. And the devil gets it in his head that all the fun is happening in the United States. Now everyone is going to America. It's set at the... Uh, the turn of the century hmm. and so he convinces the angel to go with him to america and it is it is the most fun immigrant story it is jewish history it is labor history it's all of the coming to america feelings and i'm just completely delighted it by sounds it. like i've never heard of it but it you make it sound very intriguing. It sounds like a cross between Fiddler on the Roof and Good Omens or something. It's fantastic. I, I, <laughs> I've been recommending it to everyone. Are there any books this time of year that you recommend to people? It doesn't have to be a Christmas book or a Hanukkah book or a holiday book, but is there a seasonal book that you return to? Um, I have um, I have read uh, Angela Carter's Wise Children mm -hmm. during winter fairly often. It's very much a story about family, both the ones we choose and the ones we, we're stuck with. And, you know, it's the, the opening line is literally what a joy it is to dance and sing. And that's, I mean, we both live in the Midwest. I think we know how important it yeah. is to remember when, the, when we have daylight for like four hours. Right. Which happened just a couple of weeks ago, as you'll recall. <laughs> yes. Suddenly, I'm, we've, got another few months, we've got another few weeks of this before it stops. Right, exactly. Um, and you actually grew up in Peoria, am I right? I did. Yeah, just a few, a few hours south of where you are now. Yeah, I know. I used to go there all the time. I had good friends there. Philip Jose Farmer and his wife, Betty, were friends oh, yeah. for many years. Um, and so I, I made other friends. And of course, Gene Wolfe moved down there a few years before he died as well. So I, I kind of knew my way around. And it's, it's, a, it's a kind of fantasy. It, it sort of generates fantasy and science fiction thoughts. I mean, I know that the whole River World series came from the Illinois River flowing past that. Did you get any inspiration from from growing up in such a kind of archetypal Midwestern town. I think Dan Simmons grew up there and near there too. The river. Absolutely. Uh, you mentioned yeah. the river. I think it's, it's hard to live in that area of the world and not understand both what the river is and what it can do. I just found out a few years ago that the Illinois river was uh, carved out in four days during the Kankakee torrent, uh, you know, many hundreds of thousands of years ago. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's an intense thing to happen geologically. But I also remember uh, being a kid and uh, going down to the um, 
basically to the bottom land where uh, regular flooding takes out everything that's not a tree that can yeah. withstand floods. Right. And it's bare and weird. And the course of the river has changed so often that it's, um, I remember finding this old brick pavilion that was half falling down. Should not have played in it as we did because that thing was going to fall on someone. Yeah. It's gorgeous. And that's lived in my mind ever since. And it is magic and very, very strange sometimes. I'd love to compare notes when we have more time sometime. But the next question we have is what can the world expect next from Niveau? Okay, so there's another Singing Hills novella coming out, um, I think in the third, in the second quarter mm -hmm. of next year, I think, or the third. And I sort of, I had like the rest of the year off, and then I sort of accidentally pitched this project to my agent, which I'm not sure if I'm allowed to speak about. But um, I said, wouldn't it be fun if, and she said, and she looked at me or, you know, did the phone equivalent and said, yes, mm. yes, that would be fun. I'd like to go talk to Roshi now. And I'm like, okay. So that's <laughs> going to be a sort of a side project to Sing Hills if that sees the light of day. So I've just blown my winter break entirely to bits. So <laughs> I'm fascinated about how it's, how you accidentally pitch, a, I assume, a novel or a novella. This is the second time it's happened. That's how that's how Chosen and the Beautiful came to, came about as well. Um, I was going to, again, if we had a lot more time, well, we did spend some time earlier on the podcast talking about the Chosen and the Beautiful. Um, is, that seems to be holding up. I still hear people who are discovering it for the first time. And, um, and I think it's a second generation of readers, I think, because the first time around, my impression was people who really were F. Scott Fitzgerald freaks were all over it. And then there were a bunch of people who said, I could not read F. Scott Fitzgerald, I can't stand. And they're kind of coming around to your novel now and realizing, well, no, it's not The Great Gatsby. Another novel that sort of lives inside The Great Gatsby. No, I've, I've been very fortunate. People are still finding it. They're still very excited by it. Um, it's frighteningly enough ended up in some uh, college classes. Which really? Is yeah, no, it's it's bewildering and fascinating to me. I think people are mostly using uh, the chapters which um, align most closely with Fitzgerald. So I assume I'm very useful for things like uh, close reading and compare and contrast. So someone is getting some papers out I of it. I can see that. No, I, 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 can, I can completely see a study of intertextuality being built around that sort of thing. Um, you're not going to do that again with another novel. We're not going to see a farewell to arms with, with angels in it or something. <laughs> I'm so bad at Hemingway. Um, no, I I don't think so. The closest thing is maybe the fact that I got really stuck on the Tristan and Isolt story like mm -hmm. ages ago. And someday I would love to do something with that, but I still haven't figured out what yet. No, I've got I've got some stuff going on about uh, North, set, some stuff set in Northern Illinois, something maybe set in um, basically on the railroads of uh, Colorado from the oh, turn of the century. Um, there is actually an angel and devil novel ish thing that should come out fairly someday. <laughs> okay. So there's a lot. Well, we are at our, we're past the uh, 10 minute mark and I promised I would not keep you. So I want to uh, thank you again, uh, Nevo for being on the Cood Street podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's always been so much fun. And again, this is Gary Wolf and join us next time.